Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it is Sunday, June 26th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I heard an interesting phrase this week, and it was globalists versus sovereigntists. And I thought about what that was intended to mean. And I liked it much better than hearing about globalists versus nationalists, because when people talk about nationalism, it gives the impression of isolationism, of elitism, of country above all else. And I think that sovereignty or sovereigntists is a much better phrase or sovereigntism, if there is such a word. And the reason is, is that Sovereignty implies or sovereigntists implies that you're talking about freedom, liberty, people with the ability to have the opportunity to be who they want to be based on the energy and the work that they're willing to put in. Whereas globalists are, for the most part, looking at a one world kind of perspective where everybody has to live under the same rules and regulations. And the reason that I thought it was profound is that in 1950, the Western way of life constituted 30% of the world's population. Today, it comprises 14%. So what has happened to create that decrease in the Western way of life and what we call, I guess you could actually say, Judeo-Christian values? Well, I'm reading an interesting book. I mentioned it in a prior podcast. It's called Trial of the Century by a journalist named Greg Jarrett. And the book is about the Scopes Monkey Trial, as it was nicknamed, which was a trial that took place regarding the opposition to teaching evolution in the schools. There were two historic figures that were involved in that case. One is Clarence Darrow, the famous American attorney, one of the most famous American attorneys, who represented, I believe his first name was John Scopes. He was the teacher who was attempting to teach evolution in the state of Tennessee after the state had passed a law prohibiting the instruction of evolution. And on the other side of this, as a promoter of the other side and as a a witness, in fact, for the prosecution was Williams Jennings Bryant, who had a couple of unsuccessful attempts to run for president of the United States, but who was nonetheless a national figure because of his religious fervor, I would, would say, and his gift of speech. So having laid that groundwork of evolutionists versus creationists, I was reading the book and I read a quote by Williams Jennings Bryant, and here it is. We do not ask public school teachers to teach religion in the schools 
and teachers paid by taxation should not be permitted to attack our Bibles in our schools, end quote. So for a very long time, that was seen as the downfall of what happened because what came out of it was the ability to teach evolution in the schools. And Brian seemed like a throwback, a dinosaur, someone who was hanging on to the past, who couldn't incorporate new science and discoveries into his thinking. But as I was reading and I read that quote, because the book is fascinating, the trial's fascinating to me as an attorney, but I think it's also fascinating historically. When I read that quote, it really riveted me because while I do believe that Jennings was to a great extent a dinosaur, not able or willing to move into a time of transition, both in science and in our nation, in hindsight, there's some true merit in what he had to say. And I believe that we are living that now. And here's what I mean by that. There's an opinion piece on a website called American Greatness, and it's there today in case you are listening today and want to see it or even research it, archive it. It's called No God, No Culture. It's an opinion piece by Anthony, I believe his pronunciation of his last name is Esselin. So the question that he raises in the piece is, what was the inflection point for Western civilization in general? and American culture in particular, after which teachers took it upon themselves to ignore their cultural heritage or to instruct their students either to despise it or to twist it round in support of a political cause of the passing hour, end quote. So it's interesting because Esselin is he's asking that question. He's raising, I think, the very issue, or he's going to the heart of the issue by raising the question that actually William Jennings Bryan was railing against when he didn't want evolution taught in the schools. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be teaching evolution in schools. I'm saying, listen to the answer that Esselin gives to his own question. When did that happen? He asked, like, in essence, when was that inflection point for Western society in general and American culture in particular? He says in the 1960s and early 70s, with the forced hostility in public schools to religious faith and expression. Wow, I think there's something there. You know, in a very recent podcast, I spoke about a quote from Thomas Sewell. And it was, in essence, I'm going to paraphrase it now, that ours may be the first civilization, maybe culture, no, civilization, Western civilization. Ours may be the first civilization where the downfall of it will not be the result of an external force, but it will come from the incompetence and the, and the malinstruction of teachers and what they are teaching generation after generation. So I started to think about that, and I'm asking myself, where are we? Where does a culture go without God, 
without belief in a supreme being. And if you don't believe in God, where does it go without ethics and morals, even if you leave God out of it? So obviously the reason I say God is because in the, in the late 60s or early 70s, as a result of what happened in this country, culturally, the kind of the, the whole Beatles uh, mania, the... Um, the earth movement, there were so many things that happened in the radical 60s that led to sort of taking God out of the schools in the 70s. So the Pledge of Allegiance started to go and any references to God started to go. And where does that leave us? Where does that bring us today? Because I believe that was the inflection point. That was the beginning of the, in essence, almost a death knell for the culture that we had known. And I think where it brings us, where it brings anyone, when you lack either the belief that you answer to a higher power or you lack basic ethics and morals and truth is no longer a prized value, I believe you wind up with corruption. Because corruption always starts at a low level. But if it's allowed to continue unabated, if it's allowed to fester, if it's allowed to grow, then it reaches the highest pinnacles of influence and power. And I think we see that in our politics today. And I don't think it started with Joe Biden or Hunter Biden, but I believe that they are perhaps the most glaring and current example of that. You know, a lot of people hate Donald Trump, and they have their variety of reasons for why they do that. And I personally know someone who was the, the object of one of Trump's many bankruptcies in Atlantic City, New Jersey, with one of his hotels. Someone who had a business in that hotel, and Trump declared bankruptcy, and n nobody got paid, and everybody lost money, but Trump walked away from the bankruptcy. So I understand that. But he also made a lot of money and he also provided jobs for a lot of people and he sir he, he sold or he promoted and sold a legitimate product he had hotels they had services they provided those services to the customers the bidens don't have a product or a service but they have become multimillionaires. so i say that and I'm going to get to that in detail in a moment, but I say there's a distinction, right? You can hate Trump, but he provided something for value. Maybe not Trump University, maybe that wasn't his most stellar project, but you can't debate The Apprentice or the success of his hotels or golf courses around the world and the diligence of his family in working in those organizations. Okay, I didn't make, I don't wanna make this about Trump. I really more wanna make this about the Bidens. But first, let me say that in the Esalen opinion piece in American Greatness Today, titled No God, No Culture, and he asked that question that I posed earlier. It goes to what Thomas Sowell said in that earlier episode that I did. The downfall that happens is what happens in education is the misinformation, and it really is that, that at least two generations have been subject to by teachers. And so when you take God out of the schools and you take ethics and morals out of the schools and you take teaching civics out of the schools, what you wind up with are generations who do, and philosophy for that matter, you wind up with generations who don't have 
values and principles that sustain a culture, that sustain, that can sustain certainly a constitutional republic. You know, the founders said when Benjamin Franklin, when he walked out of the Constitutional Convention and a woman asked him, what have you given us, Mr. Franklin? His response was a republic if you can keep it. And he meant if you can keep it because it takes an educated and to some extent either a religious or certainly a moral and ethical people in order to sustain a republic. Because a constitutional republic requires people who understand the value of liberty, the value of equal opportunity, not equal outcome, equal opportunity. This country is the first time in the history of the world where everyone has equal opportunity going in. There's no guarantee about outcomes. Now there's an attempt to make outcomes equity. Very different principle, and I've spoken about it. I'm not going to go into it at length here because I want to keep going with this. You wind up with corruption. Why? Because if corruption isn't stopped, if people don't believe that truth and integrity, honesty, and commitment are values that matter, then it's the ends justifies the means, right? It's whatever I need to do to get to where I want to go. And in most instances, and particularly in the political world, where you want to go is power and money. That's what it's all about. Well, if you don't have any governor, so to speak, if you don't have any control on that, then every means possible becomes justifiable. And I think that's what we started to see in 2016 with the Hunter, well, and I guess, yeah, 2016 with the, with the laptop from hell, as it's called. Because the FBI, it turns out now, validated it. They knew that it was real. They authenticated it. But they kept that from the public. And the media collaborated with them in keeping it from the public. So all this time, while people on the, let's say, the right of the political spectrum have been yelling foul, F-O-U-L, and been saying, wait a minute, there was an impact on that election that was fraudulent, shall we say, or at the very least was incomplete, right? Because where there was a lack of impact, because the truth of that, that the laptop and its content were real, were kept from the American public. Now there's a whistleblower. There's a whistleblower from, well, even then there was a whistleblower and there was Tony Bobolinsky and Rob Walker, who were partners of Hunter Biden, there were pictures on the laptop, there were emails that were on the laptop, and most recently, there is the WhatsApp message that has now come forward, where Hunter Biden is basically shaking down a Chinese Communist Party member who was a business partner of his, of his meaning of Hunter Biden's, and he's saying, I'm sitting here with my father, and you need to cough up the money, in essence. And the rest of that email, uh, that, rather, that WhatsApp message can be found if you just Google it. But for the moment, he was threatening a member of the Communist Party to pay up. Pay up for what? What service, other than access to his father, did the Bidens provide for the money that they received? I'm not going to go into, you know, the 
well, maybe a little bit. Okay, hold on. Maybe a little bit because I'm making a point here and I want to get there and it's not so much about the Bidens, but I have to use them to get to where I'm going. There were videos, as I said, there were emails. There were synchronicity between the trips that Hunter Biden took with his father to China and Ukraine on Air Force Two when his father was vice president that were immediately followed by multi-million dollar business deals between the Bidens and those countries. That synchronicity is not an accident. Synchronicity means what it means. It means that things line up for a reason. There was his failure, his Hunter Biden, to register as a foreign agent. There is an act that requires you to register as a foreign agent when you are, in essence, lobbying on behalf or doing business on behalf of a foreign country, which is what he was doing. And one can argue not with his father's knowledge, but now it appears that it is with his father's or it was with his father's knowledge. He failed to register as a foreign agent. He failed to pay millions of dollars of income tax due on income that he was receiving for the very access that I just described. He had set up, along with his family, 20-plus LLCs, limited liability corporations, to launder that money so it would be very hard to find. And in a recent interview, when the president was asked about it, his comment was, so where's the money? It was a very glib comment, but he knew what he was saying because they had made tracking the money so difficult through 20 LLCs, all of which have now been documented and involve multiple banks that have produced their records to Congress to validate the 20 LLCs and the money trail, that when Joe Biden said, yeah, well, if, if that's what we did, where's the money? He knew how hard it would be to track the money, even though Congress has now done it. And what is the result of all that? The result of all that is that Hunter Biden has recently gotten a slap on the wrist, no jail time, a minimal fine, and even his record will be expunged of lying under oath about a gun purchase. That will be expunged based on the deal that he cut. Now, that's followed by the hubris of him attending within a day or two a White House foreign leaders dinner. I think it was the leader of the Philippines. He shows up in a tuxedo at this event and it's two days after he cut a deal for criminality. There's such arrogance. There's such disregard for even appearance sake. There's hubris to think that you can do that and not anger the American people. And what does his father say to that? Well, he says that he's the smartest guy I know, my son, and I'm proud of him, and I trust him, which is why he gets to come. This is not Joe Biden. This is Carol here. This is why he, Hunter Biden, gets to come to a state dinner two days after he cuts a deal for being a criminal. Why do I go down this road? Well, I go down this road because for me, it's personal. Why is it personal? I'm an attorney. I'm an attorney in a country that is supposed to only have a single-tiered justice system, the same for everyone. And I take that very seriously. I became an attorney because I loved the law. And I thought Socrates was brilliant. 
and that the canon of ethics and all that forms the foundation of what being a lawyer in the highest regard means was something worth working for, something worth achieving, something worth having. Because in a just system, everyone gets looked at justly and everyone has the same laws applied to them in the same way. I'm not incredibly naive to think that there were never injustices, but they were the exception, not the rule. Now, it's the rule. There are two tiers in our justice system, and there is no better example of that than what has happened with Hunter Biden. So, the IRS whistleblower who this week testified about that WhatsApp message, who also testified that Hunter Biden was treated differently than other taxpayers when it comes to delinquent tax. That IRS whistleblower testified under oath, under oath, subject to perjury and prison, under oath before Congress. The U.S. attorney from Delaware, David Weiss, who was in charge of the Hunter Biden investigation, said that he wanted to bring charges in the District of Columbia against Hunter Biden, but he was prevented from doing so. Why or how? Because Merrick Garland, the attorney general, the head of the Justice Department, stopped him from doing that. Now, there are people who are saying, well, you know, that's probably not true, except for There's an exhibit number 10 attached to the whistleblower's testimony before Congress that is, in fact, contemporaneous emails between the whistleblower and another attendee at the meeting at which Merrick Garland shut down David Weiss from being able to bring charges against Hunter Biden in the District of Columbia. And so Shipley, the whistleblower, His version of what Merrick Garland said versus Merrick Garland denying he said it, Shipley's version is memorialized in an email from another person who was at that meeting. Now, why is all of this important? Well, it's important because unless we demand truth, we won't get it. You know, in the spiritual world, those of us who dabble or travel in that world, talk about light, right? About the power of the light. And what does light mean to those of us in the spiritual world? Well, it means two things. It means love, but it also means truth. To bring light is to bring love and truth into the present moment. There's another expression about light, which is less spiritual, but not less true, which is that light is the best disinfectant. So light equals, for the spiritual realm, it equals oneness, it equals harmony, it equals love, it equals truth, integrity. I say particularly that it means harmony because everything is frequency. Everything is energy vibrating at different frequencies. And so when you have harmony, you in essence have the physical world operating at its most magnificent, right? And it's at its highest frequency and in harmony with everything else that is occurring within it and around it. And when you don't have harmony, you have dissonance. And when you have dissonance, you have the opposite of truth. You have deception. You have lies. 
When there are too many secrets, light has a way of coming in and shining itself onto those secrets or onto the darkness. So go back to unless we demand truth. Unless we demand truth, unless the world that we are living in now is aired in the disinfectant of the light of the day, then we have no one to hold accountable for the quality of our lives or the health of our republic except ourselves. Unless we demand the truth, unless we call in the light, unless we stop deceiving ourselves. You know, when someone is deceiving themselves, they think they're deceiving others. But ultimately, no. Others see their way through eventually, some earlier, some later. When someone seeks to deceive, the only person you're deceiving is yourself. When you justify behavior that you know isn't completely truthful, when you justify behavior that is manipulative, when you justify behavior that is specifically for the purpose of controlling others, it's really ultimately about deceiving and harming yourself. It isn't often easy to look the truth in the eye. When it comes to ourselves especially, it isn't easy. And when it comes to our circumstances, it isn't easy. But the alternative to the disinfectant of light, the alternative to seeing things in the light of day is to function in the darkness of night. And in the darkness of night, the most we can hope for are the shadows that are created by illusion. I don't know about you, but I would rather make my way in the light of day. And that means that no matter how difficult it is to look at what is happening now around us, and I mean happening in this country with revelation about the Biden family, about our Justice Department, about a two-tiered system of justice, unless we are willing to look at that honestly and hold those accountable who deserve to be held accountable because of their refusal to function in their positions as was intended, consistent with the oaths of office that they took, unless we do that, then as I said, we have no one to cast blame to for the quality or lack thereof in our own lives. Again, the choice is pretty simple. It's the truth in the light of day, or it's the shadow in the darkness of night. I've made my decision. Think for yourself and make yours. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next week. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.